Um, great periods of change. I'm going to say more about that briefly. But in terms of the, the clergy team, uh, it's fantastic that we have been uh, appointed as a resource church. That means we're, we're going to gather people and we're going to grow them and then we're going to send them out to, to plant, which is kind of what we've been doing already, isn't it? But um, it's really been recognised by the diocese and we're just one of a handful of uh, kind of uber churches, super churches that have been nominated to do that. So uh, it's a real blessing that we've been asked to do that. Um, but uh, for that to happen, we need someone to lead the resource church, and the best person to lead uh, the resource church is the bloke behind me. That's the Reverend Richard Moy. Uh, so we've uh, appointed him as the uh, leader of the resource church uh, uh, movement that we're going to do over the next few years, which means we've got to have a vicar here. And the best person to be the vicar here is Nicola Moy. So we're going to appoint... <laughs> Uh, so we're really blessed that Nicola has agreed to be our, uh, I want to say our parish priest, some people don't like the word priest, but she's going to lead us uh, no longer as uh, uh, associate vicar, but as vicar. And uh, that is going to be so wonderful and so exciting. And things like there's a whole year's teaching set out in advance. Did that ever happen? No, is the answer. <laughs> Why would you want to do that? So it's, that's going to be wonderful and a blessing. Uh, and uh, I really want to thank the Di I think really want to thank the PCC for all they've done in praying through this and discerning this. And I want to thank the diocese for um, all the support they've given us because it's been quite tricky legally because it's the Church of England and you've got our committees and notices and forms and all that sort of stuff. And uh, the Bishop, Bishop Graham has been wonderful in doing that. And it's just a, a really exciting process. So um, I think the dates are we're going um, to get a new PCC elected today. We're then going to have an official meeting on Tuesday night after the um, prayer and praise, which I hope you all come to. Uh, and that meeting will appoint two reps who are going to be Ruth and Stuart who are going to be our parish reps and we're going to, they're going to formally interview Nicola to make sure that she is the right candidate for the job and then after that process there will be a I'm going to get the word wrong licensing on the 6th of June and there'll be a licensing on the 6th of June where the bishop's going to come and you're all welcome to come that I come and join in that uh, wonderful evening of celebration And it's at this special time, can we just pray? Uh, just pray for all the announcements that we've made and all the changes. I know that change can be difficult, but I just want to pray this uh, beautiful prayer from the um, Book of Common Prayer. Accept, O Lord, our thanks and praise for all that you have done for us. We thank you for the splendor of your whole creation, for the beauty of this world, for the wonder of life, and for the mystery of your love. We thank you for the blessing of family and friends and for the loving care which surrounds us on every side. We thank you for setting us at tasks and at work which demands our best efforts and for leading us to accomplishments which satisfy and delight us. We also thank you for those disappointments and failures that lead us to acknowledge our dependence on you alone. This day we pray for our own church here at Christ Church. God, help our church body to walk in a manner 
worthy of the calling you have given us. Help us in all our interactions with one another to have humble and gentle hearts. Grant us patience for one another, bearing with one another in love. Grant the body of Christ unity. May we walk humbly with you, God, allowing you to show us where we fall short. Above all, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, for the truth of his word and the example of his life, for his steadfast obedience by which he overcame temptation, for his dying through which he overcame death, and for his rising to life again, in which we are raised to the life of your kingdom. Especially, Lord, grant us the gift of your Holy Spirit in this season and in this place, that we may know him and make him known, and through him at all times and in all places, may give thanks to you in all things. Amen. Uh, Chris is going to come and bring our reading now. We're in uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Hello, everyone. Um, You've been told the reading. It's on page 1180. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Uh, now I get the, uh, the duty and joy of preaching while I'm technically unemployed, um, but I've uh, got the Archdeacon's permission to, uh, to witter at you uh, for a few minutes this morning as we pray as we look at this passage together. The Apostle says, not that I've already obtained all this or achieved the goal, but I forget what's past and I press on. Father, thank you for all that is good that is past. We say sorry for all that has not been good. And we ask that you give us the grace as we look at the scriptures now to press on together towards the prize and the goal in Jesus Christ in his heaven. Amen. Amen. Well, it is a great joy to, to be speaking this morning on this passage. It couldn't be a better passage, really. Um, I'll start uh, with a recap of a few years, and I'm going to begin on Friday night over at uh, St. Albans Acton Green, which, as you've already heard and you'll see in the video a bit later, uh, was an extraordinary evening. Um, If you aren't familiar with the the story of uh, St. Albans Acton Green, it 
closed down uh, on Christmas Day in the year 2000. Uh, it was part of a parish of three churches and the rector uh, shut it down on Christmas Day of all days. Uh, then Oak Tree Fellowship were in there for five years and um, lived through the leaky roofs and there are some members of Oak Tree who were there in the time and uh, there were still the, uh, the furnishings in the building and they didn't really have control over the building. Then it was going to be turned into flats and the community kicked up a huge fuss about that and uh, 5,000 people signed a petition and people took uh, various authorities to court to get that stopped. And then uh, we were asked... Um, having just finished the stonework uh, reordering here and uh, sorted out the externals of the building and seen some, some lovely growth in the church family at that time here at Christchurch Turnham Green. Uh, would we like to get involved in St Albans? And we were told it had about a £600,000 uh, repair bill on it. Um, and uh, we were like, well, we're, we're not a very big church, um, but maybe we could join in with someone else and do it. So we started an adventure of trying to join in with someone else. We explored trying to build a vicarage on it. And um, all sorts of things happened down the years. But eventually, it's got us to a place where that um, church building has become part of the, this parish of uh, Christ Church Turn Green. It's a chapel of ease within the parish. It has been repaired. The roof is working. Having been worshipping in there, uh, firstly with uh, bean bags that you had to hold to you to warm you up. You know, those ones you put in the microwave and blankets on. Some of you are like remembering that fondly. Like, I love those days. They were the pioneering days. <laughs> um, and then we uh, put a marquee up in there and blew hot air in there, a noisy hot air in there. We even had songs of uh, praise filmed in there with Bishop Rick Thorpe at one time. And then eventually, we, um, when we got control of the church, we were able to put in a heating system. And if you remember, I went off on sabbatical for three months. And uh, when I came back, you'd raised uh, about £330,000, which took us uh, to the completion of that. We wrote on the slates at one of these annual procul meetings. We wrote prophecies and promises, which is the same, actually, as on the roof here at Christchurch Turnham Green. We're sitting underneath the Word of God in both of our our major church buildings, there are prophecies, there are Bible verses on the slates, on the roofs, and uh, so I bring it back to life. And then a while ago, the diocese um, came up with a strategy of youth minsters, and a lot of the pictures that we'd had at St. Albans had been, um, one I remember Jenny Mullaly having, of uh, young people being in the middle of the church and older people on the side, and a sense that God wanted to do something uh, for new generations. That's why I want to begin with last Friday night. I was standing on the edge as a now much older person than when I arrived here at Christchurch, um, well into my 40s. Um, I was the young vicar back in the day. Uh, new vicar's much younger than me, so that's better. Um, the, um, and looking in, and actually, just as there were last time, you could see scores of young people engaging with God, and these extraordinary um, worship group, um, or I, I don't even know what the music's called, I won't embarrass myself too much by trying to define it, but it had sort of rap stuff in it, that sort of thing. Um, and uh, they, they were just calling young people forward, and um, some of you were there, and um, there's all this sort of, you know, didn't you click thing, and I was trying to do it in such a way that wasn't too embarrassing dad sort of moment. And actually people came forward, and this one girl just stood up and told her story, and she said, Jesus died for you. And he loves you. And, um, and she said, do you want to respond to this? And I said, in, in three, 
I'm going to ask you to come forward if, or stand up if, if um, you want to respond to this. And she said, three, Jesus died for your sins because he loves you. Two, he rose again for you and he's conquered all of the stuff that can bind you and hold you back. Three, he loves you so much. Why don't you respond to him today? And um, then must have been 40 or 50 young people stood up, got led by uh, Zoe and the team into the newly finished prayer chapel. It was so good that we finished it off um, fabric team this year uh, because it was quiet in there. And Zoe just explained the gospel and said, if you want to say sorry, thank you, please, um, just repeat it after me. And then little groups of leaders prayed with kids. And some of these kids had come from youth groups, other churches, but a number of them had just been met by the band uh, and by the rest of the team doing schools work in the area, at the Green School, uh, uh, other schools in the area. And they'd come of their own volition into a church building that used to be condemned to be turned into flats and has been brought back to life because of your faithfulness and kindness and compassion. And we're brought into this prayer chapel where people have been praying their hearts out over the last few months in weeks of prayer. And as soon as they walked into there, there's this sort of melting away of, of what's not good and just a sort of sense of being reborn into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amazing. Just amazing to watch. And you're sitting there thinking, you know, I had pretty much nothing to do with it. Oh, and just looking at it and going, wow. Was seven and a half years ago, there was a job advert for... Uh, Vicar of Christchurch, Turnham Green, and it was uh, put out in July, um, which is a ridiculous time of year to put an advert out, because like, it means you're interviewing people in August, and uh, frankly, who wants to be interviewed in August? <laughs> you're going to be on holiday. Um, but the September before, I had a, had a really clear word from God to apply in July. It's just as simple as that, apply in July. And um, various things came up in all sorts of different parts of the country, uh, most of them uh, in sort of more urban, rough areas. And, I'd, uh, and we just had a sense of no. There was one that was advertised, um, the closing date was the 30th of June. And it was working with uh, a very good friend of ours who, who led one of our parish weekends, Duncan Hill Brown. It was so attractive. We were looking at it going, oh, that would be lovely. It was in the suburbs of Solihull in a beautiful sort of footballer's wives belt. And, uh, but God had said apply in July. So we put in a speculative email to the bishop, Bishop Poole, and uh, then we're coming along here. And, uh, and actually, Nicola was, three months pregnant, uh, was uh, seven months pregnant with Toby by that stage. Um, and uh, if you nest with a first child, with the third child in three and a half years, you're like in full-blown <laughs> nesting mode. And it was like, oh, crikey, do we... Do we have to move from all of our support networks and so forth at this time? I remember driving down the motorway one day, uh, falling asleep at the wheel um, behind a huge lorry. Um, and um, this was just after Toby had been born. He was in, in the back of the car. And, and Nicola was bashing me and uh, getting there. It was, um, it was a time where we were very, very weak. Um, uh, we, we were um, done some... Uh, life-giving but tiring minister in the West Midlands and um, had been brought down here 
to a church family which had advertised a job where they said there'll be no admin. <laughs> All we want you to do is make sure you can control the PCC, uh, do evangelism and teach the Bible. That's, I've, got, I've got the job advert, it's on the PCC pages, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I can't say that there's been no admin, um, to be honest. Uh, having just rewritten the parish profile yesterday, um, uh, there's, there's certainly a fair whack of admin in the role here. Um, but there has been bountiful opportunities to teach the word. And we have seen every year people come to faith in Jesus, haven't we? Um, just a few weeks ago, we had that lovely confirmation service. We've had baptism services uh, both sites uh, each year. We've had children being baptized and brought to faith. It's been such a joy to see what God's been able to do uh, with the little that we began here so far. Um, and I suppose it's probably only honest to say that when we applied for the job, we applied for a seven-year period, um, a very sort of clear sense, because that was going to be the age that um, our children would be changing schools, and uh, frankly, I'm the sort of character that more than seven years of me in one job is probably uh, going to be counterproductive <laughs> over time. It's like you can't keep changing everything forever. Um, and some of you are like, amen, Vicar, amen. <laughs> um, but... As we prayed about it, thought about it, um, explored whether other things were right for us, just again and again, God just seems to have been saying, actually, no, just knuckle down. And, and you remember that phrase that we've had for the last couple of years, a, a long obedience in the same direction. Keep walking past St. Albans, and I keep sensing God say, you're going to see this done. <laughs> you're going to see this done. Because it is done on one level, isn't it? But there's still so much further that we can we can go um, as a community of faith as people as individuals as worshipers as bible students disciples of god as missionaries into our workplaces in the world and in being beacon on the green and beating heart the community there's a, there's a long way to go uh, but when i applied for that role seven years ago nicker and i applied as a job share um, i had eight things that I wanted to see happen over the coming years that I interviewed for. And uh, Peter and Angela Dennis were there in the interview, um, so it's their fault, I suppose. Um, and I remember a few years ago looking at it going, actually, that one's by the grace of God done. We've had two curates. Um, you know, I thought that was... Actually, I put down one curate because I thought it would take five years to persuade a, a bishop that we ought to have a curate, but he gave us one, you know, almost before we started breathing. <laughs> Uh, it was Keir, who's coming back in a few weeks' time to preach. And then we had Dennis, and now we're getting uh, John and Lydia. And so we wanted to send people out in commissioned ministries. And we now have uh, 20 members of the Order of St. Albans who have been trained and released into uh, those ministries. That we wanted to send out people for ordination. Um, and currently, uh, at this month, we have five members of our, our church family who are currently in Anglican theological colleges training for ordination. And there's at least five or six others who I know are sort of in the pipeline for that and will, will come through in future years. It's, it's lovely to see what God's done. There was stuff about what we want to see with, with children as well. But the one thing that I was looking at, because um, you have to answer, I have a sort of youth work background. The one thing I was looking at, I was like, this hasn't really taken off yet as much as I wanted it to. And we had an amazing moment where the guys from Axon Green Church joined in with the youth group here, and there was a sort of an acceleration. And then we had an amazing moment where we're like, wow, if only we could get the money together to have a youth worker. We could really accelerate this beyond what interns and curates can do, because you've got someone specialized in the role. It will, it will take off more. 
But my heart was for the kids who weren't in church. And you'll have heard me say that across the Diocese of London, which is huge, on any given Sunday, at the moment, only 2,000 secondary school-aged kids are in church, um, which is heartbreaking. And, and we, as a church now, we've, um, we have just over 100 um, primary school-aged children on our books uh, for Sunday, which is an amazing job by Katie and Isabel and others on the team looking after them. And we have uh, about 150 young people a week that we're encountering in schools and different ministries in our midweek and so forth, and a much wider group now through the Lift and Youth Minster Ministry. Uh, but it's been amazing to see the beginnings of uh, something taking off that could be a movement um, disturbing the complacency of Satan as he's been stealing away young people after young people after young people. Um, and you and we are a big part of that. When Dennis is going to a church not far away from us and will be, he's got a sort of 10, 15 year vision of gradually building it up, it is massively important for him in reaching young people in his church that he can bring them along to stuff here um, and that they can have that critical mass. And that's not just true for that church, it's true for all sorts of other churches. And we're just desperate and we have been since the very beginning, to be part of a movement of God that joins God, doesn't do it for him, joins God, transforming Chiswick. And God's given us more than just one space in Chiswick. He's given us three spaces so far in Chiswick. Uh, London, the capital, and then the world. And it's just beautiful to see how that's beginning to play out. But the most heartwarming thing for me um, well, there's, there's, there's lots of those. Um, so one of the most heartwarming things for me is that this is a church that isn't just a Sunday gathering of uh, people. This isn't a club. Um, people here, you, people listening online, carry the kingdom of God with you um, right around the world every single week of the year into the city, into schools, into workplaces, into primary schools, into secondary schools, into universities, into colleges, into uh, life places, into residential homes. Every year, every day, the kingdom of God is manifest in places. And occasionally you'll hear some of the bolder people like um, uh, wonderful Peter Duckworth or, or Prudence Lynch, and they'll be like, I was praying for someone the other day, I was praying for someone. You see that impact of the, the bold evangelists. But you also see the impact of the steady kingdom plodders who just do good stuff day by day because they know Jesus, because he's freed them and transformed them. And you know that steady plodding brings the kingdom all over the place. The big vision that Paul's talking about here, uh, we're talking about as a church, is of transformation. And one thing I want... You all to know, because we know what it's like to be at the end of our tether, to be, as Paul puts it in another passage, hard-pressed, to be exhausted. One thing I want you to know is that when you are exhausted, when life's just accelerated so fast and things out of your control have happened, that doesn't mean you've become a bad Christian overnight. It just means you're living in a time of your life or a context where it's just difficult 
I remember I was chatting to Andy Johnson. Do you remember one of our ordinands before who's also relating to us still not far away? Um, trying to bully his son into um, being part of the team next year, um, which is lovely to see. The, um, uh, I, I remember him doing a seminar in the, uh, the vestry um, for people who were in that squashed middle where they had parents that they were looking after and their children that they were looking after and just the sheer pressure of that. And I was just amazed by how many people um, were just in that place like, ah, life is tough. And there are some seasons of your life where life is just expansive. You know, you've got all the freedom in the world, few responsibilities, and we're, we're thrilled to have some people who, for whom life feels like that for, for different reasons, different stages. Um, and some people who just feel really squashed. And it may be for completely other reasons. It may be for mental health reasons. It may be for isolation reasons. It may be for whatever. Um, but I love how Paul's speaking here because his life has got really constrained in this passage. It's not that he's out flying around the world having a whale of a time. There's a school of thought that um, suggests that Paul was probably married when he was converted because a man of his background and status would have been married off before they were 30. Um, It would be inconceivable for him not to be married. And that when he became a Christian, his wife left him. You can't prove that, but it's it's a reasonable assumption. We do know that he feels incredible isolation as his ministry goes on. And at this particular point, as he writes Philippians, he knows what it's like to feel left out and behind. He's had incredible success hitherto. He's seen churches planted. He's seen lives changed. He's seen miracles that anyone would love to boast about. Um, And he's also been whipped within an inch of his life three or four times, shipwrecked, stoned, all sorts of things, rejected. And he says, whatever's good, whatever's bad, I'm just going to forget all of it. And I'm going to press on to what's ahead. And that's my invitation for us from this passage today. Um, There is lots that we could make the mistake of over-celebrating in the life of the church here. Um, we're, We're not an uber church. God's done some, not to criticize Peter's lovely words, but... We're just a church, you know. We're not perfect. We've made many mistakes. But the kingdom of God's here. And love is here for the community, for each other, for God. is here. We're not perfect. We're flawed in so many ways. But God's done some incredible things as well, hasn't he? I mean, don't you, when you just clock some of the things, you just go, how did that happen? I do all the time. I mean, when we arrived here, like... I could barely put in a shift. You know, we were trying to juggle kids and like, yet things were accelerating because God was so good. And um, you said, wow. But we don't want to make the mistake of living in the past <laughs> or even living with, you know, the people who have been our greatest friends along the journey who have God sent on to other things. We want to forget what's past because that's what you do as a Christian. You thank God for it, and then you forget it, and then you push on to win the prize. Do you remember the film Chariots of Fire, Eric Liddell's story? He's um, a 100-meter runner in the 1924 Paris Olympic Games, I believe. And there's a bit in the build-up where he falls over on the 400-meter track, and he, he was winning, he gets tripped up, and he just looks up at the sky, 
and starts running in his unique and ridiculous running style. Um, he doesn't stay on the floor. He gets up, looks heavenward, and then speeds past everyone else and wins the race. That's us, guys. Sometimes we've fallen over. Sometimes you may feel fallen over today. Some things have been incredible in our past. Some things more regrettable. But there's a, a race to be won. There's a goal to be gained. And the way we do it is look up and keep running. Keep running. Keep running. Keep running. A long obedience in the same direction. I do not think that this is the end of the church in this country. <laughs> I do not think that, you know, the Guardian or the Telegraph or the BBC news outlet or whatever are right when they report that it's all falling apart. I don't think this because I know you guys. And in each life here is a miracle of regeneration, of new hope, of new life. And some of you are brand new Christians. Some of you have come from the hardest of places to find faith in God. And I think that's replicable in more lives in our area, in our city, in our world. I can't promise you that it's going to be easy. I can't promise you that God's just going to send revival and sort everything out because I don't think he's in the business of just going, I'm just going to sort it out for you. Sit back and relax, guys. But I can say that if we join in God's mission together in unity and love for the sake of the world, not for the sake of what we get out of it, we will see more and more miracles, more and more transformation, and everything God wants to do will come to pass. May God bless his word to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we're in a business meeting, uh, but I want to say five things, and I want to say them as uh, briefly as I can. So will you forgive me if I don't do that? First of all, um, we've said it already, but this, the glory is all God's, and we want to praise God, really, for all that he uh, has done and is doing um, in this place and in the wider world. Uh, and I want to thank you all for all that you do uh, in this, as being part of this church family. You're an absolutely wonderful church family. And if you are new uh, today, then stick around because it's a fantastic family. Uh, stay with us and journey with us. I want to thank especially um, those people who are stepping away from positions, uh, especially those who are outgoing members of the PCC. Um, you've worked hard, you've prayed hard, and you've discerned long and hard about the future direction uh, of, the, of this church, and you've done well, and I'd like to thank you very much indeed. Um, after the thanks comes my statutory warning, and that's for vigilance. Uh, I always talk about safeguarding at this meeting. Uh, we know our responsibilities is to ensure that all children and young people, vulnerable adults, need to be safe and secure and cherished in this place. Uh, it's a task for all of us to look out for safeguarding, um, every one of us, but we're so ably led by our safeguarding team, and I thank you for all that you do for that. Um, fourthly, we talk a lot about, and we've talked about it already, about gathering and growing and giving away, and we've just prayed for those people uh, that we are actually giving away. Uh, 
The gathering and the growing is always fun. And you know, sometimes the giving away is quite fun as well. But not in this case. Uh, this is really sad. We're going to miss them all. Um, Dennis once told a story of his arrival in this country when stepping out of Heathrow Airport, confronted with the cold and damp of southeast England, he turned and ran back into the warmth of the terminal building. We're glad that Dennis was persuaded out and endured the weather to bring us uh, the warmth of the trying God into our lives over the last three years. And we pray for all of you, for the Adidas, for Maddie, for the Lissamans, for Alice, that you will continue to bring that Jesus heat into your next roles and your new parishes. We are going to miss you guys. And the pressure, these precious people as they leave uh, indicates um, that we're facing a season of change and we talked about that a little bit. Uh, and I just want to talk about change uh, for just one moment. Because it is uh, a tricky issue. We're pruning and we're growing and the service changes are a part of that. And over the last few months, I've been reading slowly, I must admit, Matthew for Everyone by Tom Wright. And I'm sure that many of you are versed, um, more familiar than I am with Matthew 13:52. but it was not a verse that had struck me before. It's at the central point of Matthew's gospel where he's been describing the kingdom of heaven in parable, the parable of the sower, the mustard seed, the weeds, the hidden treasures, pearls and nets. And at the end of this long description of the kingdom of heaven, he says this, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. Let me just repeat. It's like the owner of a house who brings out, his, out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. And Tom Wright says, For Jesus, the new things are the extraordinary brand new visions that the kingdom of heaven is bringing the old are the wisdom of centuries, particularly the ancient stories and hopes of Israel. The gospel that Jesus brings and the gospel that Matthew is concerned to tell us about consists 